0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Uh, Every time we get going, I I usually try to quantify what kind of a conversation it's going to be. You know, it's either important or interesting, critical, fun. I'd categorize today's conversation. All of them are really important, but I would say today's conversation is going to be fun. We have got uh, three really, really smart people on the topic, and the topic is AR, VR, XR, metaverse, all the different immersive technologies. Are we going to be walking around with, you know, goggles on our head, and what are those goggles going to look like in the future, and what does it mean to work, and what does it mean to specifically the real estate industry? So our journey on this started probably in around the 2013 timeframe, so that'd be about uh, seven, nine years ago. And in 2014, we did our uh, annual Cortec event, uh, which is for corporate real estate, at the Sprint headquarters in Kansas City. And I remember you know, talking to them and they had a very, very ambitious, innovative real estate team. And in 2014, they literally had their engineers, their assistants, their data researchers, their property managers running around the room with goggles on. Can imagine we're going to talk to the panelists about how early that technology was and what it looked like. But imagine 2014 running around trying to simulate what it would be like to fix a piece of equipment with remote assistance. Wearing a piece of goggles or wearing a pair of goggles, I should say. So 2014, so we're, that, we're talking eight years ago. And one of the things we're going to try to get to on the, on the discussion today is timeframes, adoption. Uh, so people can kind of plan and know when to jump in and, and where the early adopters are. And then when we make that critical chasm jump uh, and, and bring this more into mainstream. So let's bring on our guests. We have got Stuart Apley, Managing Director, GWS Tech Solutions for CBRE. Uh, Miguel Tria Vidai, uh, head of XR Mixed Augmented Reality, Realty Solutions, CBRE, and Amy Peck, founder and CEO of Endeavor VR. Hey everybody, how are you? Hey, are you?
1: Good. Are you?
0: good. I we're 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 having so much fun in the green room, we didn't even want to get started. <laughs> First of all, thank you all for being here. Uh, Miguel, I know it's end of your day. It's getting close to pub time in the UK. So We're going to get you out of here on time. Well, actually, we always go over a little bit, but we'll get you close. So, uh, And Stuart, thank you for today and the years and years of support. And Amy, thanks for your devotion and focus on this topic. We know how hard you work trying to get this this ball moved down the court. And um, as you know, with any new technology, it's easy to put a hype statement up on a PowerPoint. It's not so easy to get it implemented at scale. So thank you to all of you. Um, All right, let's start with defining the R's, okay? Let me take a stab at guess. VR, virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, XR, I'm not so sure of a metaverse, we all have our own interpretation. So Amy, why don't we start with you and and give us a little bit of the definitions and what they mean?
2: Yeah, so you think of it as a a spectrum, right? And on one end of the spectrum, is AR augmented reality, and then you move into mixed reality, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have virtual reality. And the umbrella term, and some people have called it extended reality, uh, or it's sort of the you know overarching term to you know kind of talk about all of these virtual realities. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not what we're going to end up calling them in the future. It's just going to be. Um, but augmented reality and mixed reality, I think the fundamental differences, you know, is as I describe it, is augmented reality is more just a digital overlay in your field of view. So if you ever played Pokemon Go, aside from the Pokestops, which were actually were anchored in the real world, you know, like the characters were just sort of plastered on the real world. Uh, they didn't really have context. When you move, as you move into mixed reality, um, There's there's spatial anchoring. So a, uh, an experience might be anchored to a real place in the world. Uh, also, what you're seeing as an overlay would have context to whatever it is you're looking at. So in the case of like remote assistance, for example, if you're working on a piece of equipment, that overlay would be anchored to the piece of equipment and would, would give you additional information about it. So that's kind of how I differentiate the two. And then virtual reality, again, you're just in fully immersed environment and you can't see your
1: surroundings. You don't want to walk around with those.
0: Miguel, what's the relationship with the R's to the metaverse?
1: Wow. That's, that's a, that's a good question. Um,
0: and if you don't have the answer, uh, that's fair. <laughs> but,
1: but in, in essence, is is a means or a medium in which you can experience metaverse. Uh, metaverse, um, it's it's been mainly linked to uh, 3D experience, to fully immersive experience. Um, <clears throat> but today, and again, if I may, Jim, I think i like to uh, make a clear distinction between what I believe is the metaverse with capital M or bigger M and a metaverse uh, with a lower M or uh, smaller 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 M. Because there's a big difference. The metaverse, the vision of Max Zuckerberg and Sayan Nadella and others, um, as I'm sure we're gonna discuss it here, it is you know, it's far, far down the road. We're talking about, you know, up to 10, 10 years. Today I was reading a report um twenty forty. So we are very, very far away of the metaverse. The metaverse, as a way of you know having that platform which is persistent, decentralized, interconnected, and 3D, full 3D experience. Um, but in terms of metaverses, the sandboxes, the Minecrafts, the Decentraland, um, oh. the Fortnite's, yes, today. Uh, we have already those and the way we experience those is through the EXA. Some people experience through the EXA and depending which level of immersion you want, you can go all the way to full Monty 360 or you can go through uh, AR or in some cases you may want just 2D version which is through a tablet or through a PC which today is where the, the consumption of this sort of metaverse is, low air, remember? Um, is uh, today, um, m- most of instances, but it's ultimately the level of immersion in which you want to experience the metaverses.
0: The, the, the first time I put on a set of goggles six, seven years ago, I was at the Irvine company in California, and they had spent a significant amount of money to create a virtual environment for one conference room, okay? To, they were playing around experimenting with it, which I give them a ton of credit for. And, and I tried looking under the table in this virtual world, and I got dizzy actually, right? And I don't know if you've seen the video, um, out there on, uh, on, I think it's TikTok, where the guy, it's so realistic, the guy runs into the wall and you know, almost takes the wall down. Um, and so, you know, I, I wanna get to the bottom of where, where in the spectrum we are. But before we do that, Stuart, you're the guy who's out there in the real estate world, the physical world, you know, with customers, clients. We're a pretty stubborn industry sometimes as far as adoption to this stuff. And, and we actually believe you gotta be in a physical space to get things done, hence buildings. How is this topic, um, uh, how, how do your your clients, your prospects, how do they gravitate to this to this technology? Are they are they running towards it? Are they running away from it? What's your assessment of our industry?
3: They're not running away from it. I think they're having trouble understanding what it really means for them, right? Right now, it's understanding space. How do they make efficiencies of the space they have? How do they deal with all the extra space now, you know? And what so but the topic is really around the future of work really so if you want to bring it to real estate specifically and whether that's hybrid working whether that's technician efficiency like miguel and, and amy mentioned earlier about maybe helping their technicians uh work on assets better so you know they're not really they might ask about the metaverse here and there but it's really how do they make the most efficient use of space and engage people today for hybrid working that's the topic that's top of mind.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been in the real estate industry almost my entire career and, and I'm sensing some struggle because, you know, for a hundred years, we said, you know, Henry Ford gets us in a car and takes us to the, to the office in the morning and then to the gym after work. And, and now we're, I, in some ways, I don't want to, I see, you know, Microsoft and, and Zoom and other platforms, Metaverse as potential competitors to people's time and attention as to how they want to do things. I believe it's still really important for humans to get together, that nothing will replace that ever. And I don't want to wear a pair of goggles all day. Okay. But well, if yes, but,
1: but you, I'm sorry, just, oh, I, go
0: ahead.
3: yeah, I mean, it's clear you get together, you get together uh, for a purpose, right? Um, so therefore people are spending less time, not necessarily being there every day. And how do you ensure that, that, that mode of working is truly supportive and how do you enhance that in the future so yes people do want to we should be getting together live um, but there's a lot that we can do with these immersive technologies to support that hybrid working this
0: this conversation could go on 3 hours because not only is it what you'd get when you wear the goggles or the glasses which i think the scale will get better but it's it's what what do you complement this this virtual world or or augmented world in the physical space. It's not with goggles, it's with walls, right? It's with screens hanging from the ceiling. It's from all sorts of, you know, 3D teleportation tech, which by the way, is our conversation next week. So I hope you, you join in. All right, let, let I want to get some context. Um, all three of you, Amy, when was the first time you put on a pair of goggles and got excited about this? What was the date?
2: Uh, I remember the exact moment because, you know, we always remember our first time in VR and it was um, in 2013, I had uh, moved to San Francisco from New York to join a company called Leap Motion, which was sort of a low latency hand tracking device. And our um, engineers had duct taped it to the front of the very first DK1, which was the first Oculus with the, what is now the Quest, but it was the first developer version. It became the Rift and then the Quest uh, of a VR headset uh, from then Facebook, now Meta. and. Uh, they had built uh, a, a game called Shark Punch, which is exactly as it sounds. So I put this, you know, this headset on and the sharks came at you. And, I, and because we had duct tape delete motion at the front, I could also see my hands. And, you know, I was brought into that company to sort of understand what the hand tracking could be for enterprise. When I saw it combined with virtual reality, it, I just. It, what it year me. was
0: that? What year was that?
1: 2013.
0: 13. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Miguel, how about you? What year?
1: Me was 2016. And okay. like most of my peers or colleagues, it wasn't through VR. It was through MR and AR. And um, I just had that uh, eureka moment. Uh, to that point, I knew very little about XR and and everything else, but I had that eureka moment. I've, I had a sort of that moment of this, wow, this is a paradigm shift.
0: It sounds though like 2013 could have been the time that it got out of the labs and the scientists' hands and people started touching and playing. Does that sound about right? 2013,
2: 2014. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the third, the third coming, really. I mean, okay. it was started in the in the 60s. Um, NASA flight sims are all the sort of the same kind of technology. Um, so the government and the military have been using it for years, especially for training. And then in the 90s, then there was another kind of second coming when, you know, Maya and like all these 3D creation tools started to be democratized, but still it's just the form factor was 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 impossible. And now we're starting to see that evolution of the form factor combined with the, you know, network infrastructure and, and really all of the capabilities starting to align to allow us to deliver these experiences.
0: Now, now, Story, your background is predominantly real estate, right? First and then tech second. When did you start hearing your customers talking about this did you take it to them or did they bring it to you
3: i'd say the first time i really heard it being used was maybe in the 2015-16 time when you know virtual leasing right how do you support virtual leasing started coming right. up a product called floor that CBRE bought you know a few years later right. was using it as one way to, be able to visualize what the space looks like um, before it's actually built out Uh, But it was, you know, just that was rock. Right. And it still is. But yeah, around that time, started hearing more and more about that virtual. So let's call
0: it 2014, just for argument's sake, six, eight years. okay. so now my uh, last question before the break. Um, What game, what inning World Series metaphor, starting with Amy?
2: Uh, Second game, top of the fifth. (laughs) <laughs> be a long way to go,
1: <laughs> Miguel. I, I, I would agree. Um, still, 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 still uh, early days. Early days, uh, okay. Still early second, days. second,
0: top of the fifth, and Stuart? Uh, I'd say game one, maybe, I
3: five, <laughs> you just it's so early.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, we've all been around this long enough. I mean, I go to these events, I'm asked to speak at events, and I get somebody up there that says, you know, this is going to change the world in 24 months. And I'm like, oh, take some of my gray hairs and some of the scars on my back, because <laughs> I, I'm actually trying to develop a, a quantifiable algorithm as it relates to adoption. Right, you know the Jeffrey Moore, you know, uh, paradigm shift. You know, from the first time you see it at an event or a meeting, you know, to the point where it's really implemented. And there's, you know, a couple dozen technologies, big ones that we can really look at the numbers: cell phones, you know, um, uh, laptops, the internet. But um, if if we are, we'll call it, you know, second inning. Okay, based on your average, um, we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go. So let's take a brief break and we're going to come back and talk about um, the real estate industry and some of the best things that we're seeing uh, in this augmented virtual reality world. Be right back. All right. So before we get into the real estate specific, maybe 30 second answer response so we can leave ourselves some time. uh, Starting with Amy, what's the best thing you've seen? State of the art, clarity, not cartoonish. Oh my God, this thing's making me dizzy application or or headset technology whatever in this space
2: uh just recently uh, magic leap has released its second generation device which is squarely targeted at enterprise and is has a very open system back end so you can use it with any cloud services and it the fidelity is phenomenal the field of view is is 50% great i mean it's just like it's a thing of beauty, and and we're starting to get to this magic form factor.
0: Was that? Did you say the Magic Leap Two?
2: Magic Leap Two, yes.
0: Okay, and when did that come out?
2: Uh, it was just released generally about seven days ago. It was made wow. available to developers about a month and a half ago.
0: Miguel, are you familiar with that?
1: I, I am. I am indeed. I am indeed familiar with. Yes. Yes. Okay, I imagine
0: uh, you are. I, um, and have you been playing around with it for a while?
1: No, I haven't. Uh, uh-huh. I haven't. Uh, I have my hands full with all the headsets at the moment, okay. uh, but I'm looking forward to uh, get get uh, a pair and, and and really really test it and compare it.
0: So, what have you seen that just knocked your socks off?
1: Well, I mean, maybe maybe I'm gonna go for for kind of more of a uh, expected answer, but for me today, uh, you know, the Microsoft Hololens 2. Is still out there okay. um, as as the best for enterprise, for uh, mix and augmented reality, uh, okay. and particularly because of the consistency, the durability, the the uh, the actual platform behind the device, which allow us to do uh, a number of different things. Um, so, so for me, for those for those factors, I, I would today I still I still I still go, and again, I haven't tested Magic Leap yet, sure. and yep. uh, today Hololens too.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and it's hard to keep up with like s- things that are announced daily because, in an enterprise, big scale world, you know, if you got a small company, a couple projects, you can take risks. But if you're talking about deploying this to major or global organizations, which involve training and standards and cybersecurity, and I mean, it's that's the other problem with tech where we're at. It's moving so fast. And to deploy at scale is not easy, you know, and and it's it's a challenge. Um, so the biggest
1: that that is the biggest challenge, Jim. That yeah. is the biggest challenge yeah. to deploy it in a scale. Everyone can put together a pilot, approve a concept, in you know, a have a year and a few months, but it's what so, you do afterwards.
0: That is when are when are people going to start, you know, getting up on stages and saying it's hard, you know? I mean, as opposed to you know, wow, look at this cool shiny new object and. You know, it's going to change the world in 24 months. We know it can't. It won't. Those of yeah. us who've been around technologies, uh, but there seems to be, you know, an enormous amount of folks that just believe that this stuff will happen overnight. It just doesn't. Um, Stuart, how about you? I mean, you've seen a lot. You're talking to a lot of high-end clients in Silicon Valley. Anything really set itself apart?
3: Not in the enterprise, to be honest. No. It really hasn't yet. I think that's part of part of the issue is that there's not that wow. Product yet that truly supports the enterprise. I mean, the Microsoft HoloLens and some others are getting it done, but you know we want to get to the point where you're not having to wear that helmet, right? You're not having to wear the goggles because you really can't walk around like that. I know Amy, you mentioned their day glasses. I mean, that's where we need to get to. So, still have not seen the wow. There's a lot of use cases. Um, but making that reality is still the part,
0: the hardest part. Okay. H- hence the second inning average of a second inning. Hey, Miguel, can you throw your headset on and, and show us that logo real quick? I, <laughs> you look pretty cool. In that. There you go. There it is. Are uh, you ready?
1: For, are you ready for the battle?
0: I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> there it is. CBRE leading the charge. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. So uh, switching gears a little bit. Um, we, you know, again, I, I, my first venture was probably 2014 with Sprint playing around with this. Um, we now have some context on where we are, you know, in the, in the series. Uh, let's get specific in, in real estate. The quick ones are, you know, leasing, you know, empty suite, you know, put modern furniture in, put uh, put contemporary furniture or you know, a, a traditional furniture in, while you're looking at the view out the windows, right? So that's kind of the mix, right? um and uh, and then we talked a lot about the maintenance assisted maintenance um, the life cycle facility operations training um in your travels which of those applications get people's attention the most
3: um it's the maintenance oh i mean so what we're what we're trying to look at is what's real right what can help people today, and it is around technician efficiency, right? That's that's one of the big use cases we're seeing. Miguel can talk about some other things broadly at CBRE, but that remote training, remote triage, especially in geographically dispersed areas, say EMEA. Uh, and what we're really excited about is being able to then come up to an asset, see information about the asset, the overlay that Amy had mentioned, you know, make that whole time that the technician is spending there much more efficient um, those are the real use cases that I think people are excited about, but it's still not really deployed at scale yet.
0: So, so Miguel, you know, you're at the top of this discussion at CBRE. Have you seen technicians using these in the field? Are they? Have you developed some program at a little bit of scale?
1: Yes, we, we do indeed. Um, we've been at this for for many years, but you know, today officially, we deploy these across a number of accounts within CBRE targeted mainly to our frontline workers, and those are technicians, engineers, auditors, surveyors, project managers. And, you know, our, yes, we talk about the metaverse, the metaverse, all the metaverses, you know, but as I said to the folks in severity, yeah, let's think big, but start small. Start small, build organically, uh, because throughout this journey, there is a lot a lots of uh, education, a lot and lots of patience, a lot a lots of hard work. Uh, as you say, Jim, doesn't happen overnight, but you know, uh, people get it. People get it. It's not rocket science. Uh, they, they suit it. They put it on, and as long as you have a very clear, clear, specific, uh, clear, specific um, use cases, um, then you know you have a target audience. You work with those folks, and then you build from there. Uh, and today, you know, again, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna discover anything new, but but you know. No, Forget no, We focusing, need re- we focusing. need a
0: reality check. I mean, you know, yeah, focusing, reality, focusing yeah. today,
1: focusing today, no, uh, and going back to St- Stuart. You know, we're not talking about digital twins and uh, metaverses and avatars. Today, we we'll talk about you know building the foundations, and you build the foundations by building the ecosystem, um, and remote support, remote inspections, immersive training. Those are the basics. Yeah. You know, and instead. And then build.
0: We've been talking about telemedicine for 20 years now. And, and, you know, because of the pandemic, we got some remote medical, you know, uh, appointments. But telemedicine is nowhere near where it should be with diagnostics equipment, you know, attached to the network as well. So I put the thermometer on, they're reading it live. I mean, yeah, it's so easy to hype and to present ideas. That's the easy part. But getting it developed and executed at scale is where the work really sets in. All right, Amy. Um, you, you're out there a lot. Have you seen anybody walking around an empty piece of real estate doing a leasing tour?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, to to Michael and Stuart's point, that, you know, we we do have to start small, but but I will say that it is important to to think about the the sort of kind of broad swath of technology we have in front of us and look at how we're going to completely optimize how we do things. So I think. Digital twin is, is kind of the anchor for all of that, whether it's a digital twin of an asset like a manufacturing line or an entire building or simply visualizing, you know, plans and drawings and starting to close the gaps. Right. We know the, where to plug the technology in today. This is not going to scale like for the, you know, for real estate, we can visualize from drawings, we can leverage BIM data to understand during the you know the build process how to optimize that and to spot you know you know potential uh, challenges in the build process. We can then you know use it for you know, you know uh, permits and walkthroughs and then into the sales cycle and starting to build that facility of having those three D assets get built during the build phase. So effectively building an as built as you're building a building. Um, with the BIM data, uh, you know, appended to it. So you can, yeah. you know, gives you x-ray vision. So that's really how companies should be thinking broadly. But again, it's important as Miguel said, Miguel said, start now, small.
0: small. So I just want to make a note, we didn't get to talk about it, but for those listening, uh, make a note that Accenture, uh, middle of the pandemic, made a decision to deploy 60,000 headsets into their workforce for things like onboarding and training and meetings. Um, We don't know where that project is currently at this point, but we're going to be staying on top of that and maybe even get a center on one of our RealCom live episodes. So 30 seconds each, Amy, what advice you kind of, I don't want, if if you want to just pass, that's fine. But what did 30 seconds of advice do you give to a real estate owner, operator, service provider, tenant on their VR XR, you know, metaverse journey?
2: Yeah. Just start, start looking at that sort of 3d asset management and where you can plug in where you're going to get the most ROI. Um, but, but definitely start because it is very easy to, to fall behind in terms of how you're thinking about bringing technology in. And there are solutions you can implement today.
3: Stuart? Um, yeah, just start. I mean, I've always said that about anything innovative, whether it's the owner about the leasing, if they haven't done it yet, whether it's on the occupier side about leveraging BIM, as Amy said, for, you know, understanding the as is environment, um, beyond the as bill, uh, but start somewhere and give it a shot.
0: Okay. So Miguel, this may be the last serious thing you say before you hit that pub for happy hour. Because you are in I the leash. No, you're <laughs> going to go to the pub virtually. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Final thoughts.
1: So, uh, again, I think on the same lines, but I think it's so important. Let's not try to boil the sea on day one. You know, uh, we all very, get very excited. You know, bring it down to earth. As I said, think big, start small, fail quick, and learn even quicker, and then repeat over and over and over and over. Yeah, and and, and um, from what after. I've seen,
0: in this vantage point, is don't try to boil the ocean. Take it one spoonful at a time. Just, yeah. but you have to learn and fail to iterate. Um, but but this is not a twenty-four month project. This is an ongoing, forever journey. And if
1: I may, make sure you identify a very strong evangelist and a strong advocate within the business with a strong sponsorship and push through. That, it.
0: That's your role, right? You're you're the. Is that your yes. role?
1: Yes, pretty much.
0: You're the evangelist and you've got good, strong executive leaders. Oh,
1: we've got more people evangelists in the business like a steward, but there has to be some clear accountability, some clear direction. This is not something you can do on the side desk project. Right. right. People, people on the, the people ground. Yeah. Yeah. You have you to have, have people have committed. Project. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. need to have commitment. You need to have, not just an evangelist just talking about it. You need to do, right. more importantly, you need to have a lot of doers. Right. We're all very good at thinking and visioning. But doers, there's no many, so you need to have doers doing the stuff. Totally agree. Uh, Otherwise, obsessed, they will not listen to you.
0: Totally, totally agree. Well, you can see we went over, which I anticipated we were, but it was well worth it. I hope to get you guys back. Uh, Big topic, you know. But we we always like to say we're excited and passionate about technology, but we take a pragmatic look at it. We don't want to overhype. And all three of you did a wonderful job bringing to the audience the realities of what it takes to get into this, this new virtual reality world. So thank you so much. And uh, we'll be chatting with you shortly.
1: Thanks, Thank you. Jeff. you. Bye-bye. Thank
0: you. Bye-bye. 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 Bye. All right. Well, you can tell how much fun that was. Uh, as Again, we've been having that conversation on that topic for about eight years. And it's it's good to hear people who know what they're doing um break it down for us in very practical terms. So with that, let's bring on Nance to do the news. Hey, Nance. How are you? Good
4: morning. Yeah, and that was a great this. session.
0: Yeah, it was, it was. a lot of fun. I'm going to get out of your way and you so you can get to the news
4: all right. Thanks, Jim. Here is a quick recap of a few of the articles in this week's news briefing, which is published every Thursday morning. Cybersecurity Vigilance and Privacy Strategies is our lead article this week. It summarizes a series of webinars on IT and OT cybersecurity and privacy that were hosted by RealCom over the last few weeks. GSA, Urban Edge, Kilroy, and several other commercial real estate firms comment on the competing priorities between the three and share how their organizations are handling this important issue. The article includes some interesting stats and best practices, and also has links to the three webinars for on-demand viewing. Next, GSA completes study of machine learning in federal buildings and sees it as the future. BizNow reports that federal real estate officials believe they have found a technology that makes the human better. They're looking to implement it in large buildings across the government's portfolio. Based on the results of a study backed by the Department of Energy, GSA has found it can save millions of dollars in energy costs by implementing smart systems that control energy use in real time at certain sites. The study implemented prescriptive data's Mantima OS technology across four GSA properties that then achieved between five and 11% energy savings. If implemented in just a small portion of their very large portfolio, potential savings could gross the GSA about 4.5 million annually. Our next article comes from Globe Street. Confidence in PropTech is down for investors and startup founders. Metaprop recently released its mid-year 2022 confidence index, which gathers insights from PropTech startup firms and investors. Survey results show that investor confidence index is 5.8 out of 10, its lowest ever rating and a severe drop from the 9.3 market hit just six months ago. Meanwhile, the Startup Confidence Index didn't fare much better, 4.2 out of 10, also an all-time low compared to a record-setting 8.3 a year ago. Check out the article, which includes more on the PropTech Market Overview. And lastly, this week's RealCom Best Practice Showcase Project Spotlight features Ericsson's 5G Smart Factory located in Louisville, Texas. This connected, agile, sustainable factory of the future is their first highly automated smart factory in the US, producing 5G and advanced antenna system radios to accelerate 5G deployment in North America. There were plenty of lessons learned during the project as they had to adapt to the realities of turning a 300,000 square foot concrete building, which was originally designed as a fulfillment center into a high performance automated and sustainable electronics manufacturing facility. And that's a recap of this week's news. Be sure to read these and other articles in our weekly briefing by visiting our website and clicking the news link at the top of the page.
0: You know, you just, you nailed it. I mean, cybersecurity, privacy, Top topic: GSA been part of our community for twenty years. Really, mm-hmm. as a government organization, pushing the envelope. Five yeah. G. Everybody's kind of confused. We got real case studies, you know, going on here. And of course, the prop tech investment. I've been a little critical of the amount of money coming into prop tech for thirteen years now, saying, "Show me the money. Where are the results?" Uh, and and we're I think we're starting to see a little bit of that hype yeah. die down a little bit, and we're going to see some more governance and some more stringent. Um, uh, requirements in that, in those funding
4: cycles. Confidence is waning and that was down 50%.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, at some point you got to say, show me the money, right? I mean, we invest in an idea, a product. And I think a lot of the issue has to do what we talked about in our last uh, conversation was the adoption curve. Everybody thinks, you know, they look at a new idea and maybe they don't know the real estate industry. They say people are just going to jump into this. They have to jump into it. It's a great idea. They don't realize the levels of complicated, decisions that have to be made and nice. and so um yeah it's a great job on those articles thanks to the back end team to for, for Howard Sherry pulling it together and great job delivering it very perfect. all right
4: have a great weekend
0: thank you you too all right so now um before I um introduce next week's show why don't we take a brief break and I'll be right back All right. Uh, Before I get into next week, a quick thank you to our guests, to sponsors, and to our team for putting together another great episode. So we're going to kind of continue on this theme of virtual, experiential, um, immersive, you know, away from the physical space. And as we all know, during the pandemic, uh, we all got pretty good at Teams and and Zoom because we had to. Uh, The whole world went on this work remote, shop remote, go to the doctor remote, go to school remote, experiment. And, and what we're all used to now is you know the four, six, eight people in the box talking to each other. Now, I, I was on a conversation yesterday and they said, it's just not worth the two hour commute to go into the office and jump on a Teams call. Well, I agree, but there's also reasons for people to be together. Um, but next week, what we're gonna be talking about is what's up coming next for the immersive experience. What are Teams, uh, what's Microsoft Teams working on in the labs that we don't know? What is Zoom working on in the lab that we haven't seen yet? And the good news is we're going to have some people that have been in the lab, those labs um, working on some of those technologies. And we have got some great guests. We've got Cliff Poland from uh, Wheelow, Skip Roddenbush from the Virtual Specialist, Steve McNally from DVE Holographics and possibly one other guest. So we are going to have a great conversation on what's next for Team Zoom. How does it work? Uh, what can we expect to see? And then last but not least, What is the relationship with that that space, the physical space part of the conversation, that ubiquitous journey from from the virtual world into the physical world? And I think you're gonna be really excited. Last comment is uh, all of these topics are gonna be at our CoreTech event in Silicon Valley coming up in about six weeks. Um, We are going to have just some of the most crazy smart people getting together a smaller event by design. It's meant to show some really crazy emerging things and then roll up sleeves and have some good conversations. So I would encourage you all to take a look at that uh, and, and spend eight, 10 hours nonstop looking at some of these new technologies. So with that, I want to say thank you. You all have a great day, great weekend, and we'll see you next Friday on Realcom Live. Be well.